0: The Fanboy, episode 109. Hi everybody, Mario Francisco Robles, MFR here with you and this is episode 109 of the Fanboy Podcast. How is everybody doing out there? I'm currently in my uh, makeshift home recording studio here in my dingy hoarder episode of a garage just so I can talk to you today because you know what? If there's one thing that could get me to break a very long hiatus from podcasting, It's the news that Zack Snyder's Justice League is now officially being released on HBO Max next year, 2021. It's no longer a whisper. It's no longer a rumor. It's definitely no longer a pipe dream. The Snyder Cut is actually being released next year, and that became official yesterday afternoon on the the East Coast. I believe it was still morning on the West Coast when this got announced. But yesterday afternoon, I was in for quite a shock when finally after all this time of will they or won't they, and so many people saying, no, it's impossible, and so many other people saying, no, it's right around the corner, and me being kind of just stuck in the middle here, just kind of hoping for the best. uh, Yesterday, it it became official. So, I mean, where does one even begin with a story like this? I mean, first, I just want to comment on the fact that for some reason, my uh, my desire to write or column or podcast or whatever you want to call it always seems to be inexorably linked to Zack Snyder's Superman and Man of Steel and Henry Cavill and this whole DCEU thing. You know, I've often commented about the fact that you know my desire to get into blogging and get in, getting into all this geeky stuff that I've been doing for the last you know on and off for the last 6 years it all began with man of steel in 2013 and then along the way with all these different movies coming out and all the different drama surrounding them this whole situation with Zack Snyder's DCEU always seems to be The special sauce that gets me to plant myself in front of a computer to express my thoughts, opinions, concerns, and uh, hopes for what's to come. So, of course, the Snyder Cut being announced is the thing that made me finally go, okay... It's time to find my microphone. It's time to dust everything off because I've got to record a fanboy podcast about what's just happened. And of course, so here we go. Here we go. Once again, I'm about to go long form on something happening with Zack Snyder and Superman. And it's linked to a screening of Man of Steel that happened yesterday. I I guess this is just destined to be my thing. For as long as Zack Snyder and Henry Cavill and Superman and DC on film have some sort of ongoing relationship, for as long as that's the case, I'm going to have stuff to talk about. So uh, let's get into it, shall we? So yesterday, Zack Snyder hosted a watch-along on Vero uh, of Man of Steel, which is coming up on its uh, seventh anniversary next month. And, you know, there was a lot of buzz heading into that for the for a few days that this wasn't just going to be a watch-along, that, no, this was going to set the stage for a huge announcement that the Snyder Cut was coming. But still, there were people who were a little skeptical. There were people who were like, no, it, it can't be. It's never going to happen. It doesn't exist. It's this, it's that. Yeah, There was were, there were skepticism still, and yet, at last... It happened. And now a lot of this began because a few days ago, Heroic Hollywood, you know, through Humberto Gonzalez El Mayimbe, uh, announced that something has changed, that, you know, the past, that the previous stance on the Snyder Cut has now uh, kind of been revised due in large part, possibly, to the new ownership at AT&T seeing a great opportunity and deciding it's time to take this footage and create some content because we need content. And we'll get to more on that later. But, you know, the stage was sort of set for this latest twist in the Snyder Cut story a few days ago when Humberto Gonzalez and Heroic Hollywood uh, mentioned that. Then... I started hearing other whispers from other colleague, friends of mine, because this this suddenly made me even get back on Twitter. I'm telling you, when it comes to this topic, it gets me to uh, dive headfirst back into all the geeky stuff that I constantly think maybe I'm done with for now. As soon as I heard about it, I'm like, okay, I'm getting online and I'm I'm, I'm contacting some of my friends and I'm finding out if there's anything to this because this is crazy sauce. Um, I don't think crazy sauce is a thing. I know awesome sauce is a thing. But you know what? We're going to go with crazy sauce today. Hashtag crazy sauce. You know, I go online, I ask my friends, is there anything to this? And as it turns out, there really is something to it. And even then, in my mind, I'm still thinking rather small. I'm thinking, okay, so they're going to find a way to, you know, take Snyder's footage and, you know, put some finishing touches on it. Maybe try to repackage it as a series or something. And, yeah, we're going to talk a little more about that later, too, because I have ideas for how HBO Max can really maximize this. And I'm sure that they're not thinking small. I think they're thinking very big with this because you don't suddenly agree to invest 20 to 30 million dollars in a project if you're just looking to do a one off special event, one time thing, you know, but more on that, you know, a little later. You know, but I was still thinking rather small. I'm thinking, okay, they're going to just release the footage that was already shot and it'll exist in a sort of vacuum on HBO Max and it'll be a neat little Easter egg for the people who have been campaigning for it. And it'll, it'll be a neat little unique selling point. For people who are, you know, HBO Max is going to have this exclusive content. And right now, streamers really, you know, they, they, they have to have exclusive content in order to succeed in this very competitive marketplace where it seems like there's a new streaming service every other week. You know, so I really thought that would be it. But then there are whole new levels and layers to all this because as part of the screening... You know, Snyder was dropping hints about things that go beyond just the Snyder cut and beyond just what's been explored already in his films. Because, you know, during the Man of Steel thing, for example, they, you know, during the scene with the with the empty pod that we see on the Kryptonian scout ship, you know, there have been all kinds of theories that maybe that was Supergirl or that was, you know, that there was something more planned for that. And he in no uncertain terms, said, yes, that someone had escaped from that and stay tuned. He wouldn't say whether or not it was Supergirl. It sounded like it was a little more open-ended. A few people have run to the races by saying, oh, this confirms the Supergirl theory. But according to The Hollywood Reporter, the, the actual context of his comments was just in general that somebody survived and stay tuned. And to me, that's the big thing, you know? Stay tuned implies that he's going to build on the lore from Man of Steel in some way, or maybe not him personally, but somebody has decided that they're going to build upon that. Unless, you know, maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe the stay tuned means that the open pod is going to factor in to his Justice League thing now. I don't know. But to me... My my conspiratorial mind starts to get ahead of myself here because the same place that let us know that there has been changes with the Snyder Cut and the fact that it now looks like it's coming, the same place, Heroic Hollywood, coincidentally, two weeks ago also mentioned that the Supergirl project has stalled out and that the studio is now shifting its focus back to Superman. So, when you start connecting dots, okay, if Umberto has someone on the inside who let him know that Supergirl is on the back burner because they want to figure out what to do with Superman, then he announces that the Justice League Snyder Cut may be coming out. I'm referring to Umberto. Then yesterday, Henry Cavill shows up on the watch along at the end for the Q and A, Henry Cavill with mustache and all <laughs> joins in on the watch along, and then you know who else gets in on the love fest? His manager, Danny Garcia, who you know, according to everything I've heard, was one of the big issues in all of this. Was one of the sticking points. She's one of the reasons that. Things with Cavill have been so complicated since Justice League. Suddenly, she's in on the love fest, too. And they're talking about the Snyder Cut, and they're sharing pictures of Henry Cavill as Superman again. I'm telling you, folks, it all seems like there are there's a confluence of evidence that Superman is going to live on, that he will be played by Henry Cavill, and that seeds planted in Man of Steel are actually still going to be explored, even though that movie came out seven years ago, and there isn't a Man of Steel 2 currently announced or in the, you know, necessarily in the works, it looks like whatever conversations have happened in the last few months between Zack Snyder and Warner Brothers and AT&T, whatever was discussed there, Snyder was left with the impression that there was going to be a continuation of the seeds that he planted, of the arcs that he began. So that tells me that this is not just a matter of dumping some old unused footage onto a streamer and dressing it up real nice. This is perhaps (laughs) the reopening or the re-exploration of the DCEU as we know it. And that to me is absolutely bananas. This is, you know, just truly an unprecedented situation that has never happened before and is unlikely to ever happen again. You know, just to like briefly recap, just think about this, even if it wasn't Snyder, even if it wasn't DC, even if it was just a separate other entity, imagine a director is given the responsibility to mount a multi-billion dollar shared universe. He's allowed to make one movie. He's allowed to plant the seeds and make a slate of other films. He's allowed to cast all the main characters and design all the main characters and assign a whole look and feel and style that is unique to his vision. He's basically given the keys to the kingdom. Then, like, in the middle of the second step of his master plan, he has his... The, the, the rug pulled out from under him has the next few films and his arc suddenly scrapped and has per, what was meant to be the centerpiece of what he was building to. The big, huge, pivotal moment that he had been building to suddenly gets completely neutered, completely rewritten, taken away from him. A new director comes in. It gets released. Three years go by. We're moving on into other stuff. And now, all of a sudden... He's being asked to take what he had been working on and resuscitate it, bring it back to life, and he's being given 20 to $30 million to go back and actually finish it, repackage it, and turn it into some new, fresh entertainment that we're going to be watching in 2021. And he's going to be doing this at a t- in a way that is just completely unprecedented, folks. Look, if we're going to have the Snyder Cut in 2021, that's going to feature The Flash. That's going to feature Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman. That's going to feature Jason Momoa's Aquaman. And... That same year, we're also going to get Robert Pattinson's The Batman, and we're still going to be, in theory, in the pre-production phase or somewhere along the production for The Flash, which is going to have some Flashpoint elements, according to Andy Muschietti. And we know that Aquaman 2 is coming out. And Jason Momoa, who has has always been a big Snyder Cut person, who has claimed that Aquaman is set within the same canon as the Snyder Cut. Like, what is this going to do for the continuity, for the canon? Are are fans going to be totally confused? Or are they going to find a way to explain this? You know, remember, Ezra Miller's Flash showed up on the CW's Crisis on Infinite Earths a few months back. And now he's going to be in this and he's going to get his own movie. Something tells me that the Flashpoint film really is going to serve as some sort of way to explain how there are all of these different branching paths. That's the only way I can try to wrap my head around this because right now, Warner Brothers and AT&T are going to basically try to have their cake and eat it too. They're going to re-release and re-examine and bring Zack Snyder's original vision for the DCEU back in a big, novel way with lots of billboards and lots of fanfare, but simultaneously, the film studio is going to be preparing to give us The Suicide Squad by James Gunn and give us The Batman by Robert Pattinson. And all within the same year. That's why I bring all these films up at the same time. Like, this is going to be such a weird year. 2021 is going to be a bizarre year for DC fans, so it probably, you know, possibly in the most epic way. But Enough about the unprecedented historical thing that this is. Let's talk about this just from the vantage point of being a fan. Because how do I feel about this? As a fan of Superman, as a person who's had very complicated you know, feelings about Zack Snyder's vision for DC on film, you know, how do I feel? Because, listen, to be completely honest— When his time with DC was over, you know, I was initially relieved. You know, I was initially like, okay, you know, maybe now there's a chance for a creator whose vision I enjoy more to step in and take over DC and push these characters in a direction that, you know, I enjoy more. Because, you know, let's be honest, I was not a huge fan of, of where Snyder was taking all this. And now, though... You know, you might think that this would bum me out, but it really doesn't. Because as a DC nerd and as a movie nerd, I cannot help but be curious to see how this goes, to see what Snyder had shot, to see what kind of story he's going to tell, to see how he's going to use this additional funding and some of the reshooting and additional dialogue that he's going to be writing. Like, how is he going to unfurl this story. What was the original story? Uh, We're going to get to see Darkseid. We're going to get to see Martian Manhunter. We're going to get to see all kinds of really geeky, nerdy, holy grail type stuff here. And to me, no matter any way you slice it, this is going to be must-see television, especially if you're someone like me who's been documenting this story basically from its inception. You know, and look, I'm just so curious because this is going to be the fourth version of Justice League, because the first version was the two-parter that Zack Snyder initially promised us that he had been working on with Chris Terrio, and it was going to be Justice League one and two. It was going to end on a cliffhanger, and then a year later, we're going to get part two. So that that was the first incarnation of Justice League that Warner Brothers was pitched and signed off on. Then there was the second version, which came to be right after the Batman v Superman test screenings had happened and the studio suddenly got crazy cold feet. Listen, you guys all know the story by now, where they chopped it down from three hours to two and a half and then went to David Ayer and started changing his movie around. And little by little, they completely clipped the wings off of Snyder's initial plans. So the second version of Justice League came when... Jeff Johns was brought on and the film got simplified from a two film arc into just a single movie experience. And that's what Zack Snyder had shot through most of 2016. You know, that was the second version of Justice League. Then when he screened a two hour and 20 minute version of that movie, In February of 2017, that's when Joss Whedon was brought on to rewrite and direct a third version of this Justice League movie. And that's the one that would ultimately become the theatrical cut. But now, if you look at the interview that Zack Snyder and Deborah Snyder conducted with The Hollywood Reporter, which, as I've noted several times in the past, THR really is Warner Brothers' like go-to mouthpiece for all of their public relations. They always give them the juicy exclusives. Um, if you read the interview that they conducted with The Hollywood Reporter, you'd know that they're going to be rewriting and sort of reconstituting things to make it fit this new format, to make it fit this new, you know, release that it's going to get on HBO Max. So it's not going to be necessarily what he originally had in mind, but it's going to be what works best for this HBO Max experience they're being given. You know, and there's been rumors that, you know, it could either be a four-hour director's cut or it could possibly get broken up into six chapters and Snyder would add like cliffhangers and things to make it feel like more of an episodic television series so you know the point is this is going to be the fourth version of this Justice League story. So I can't wait to see, you know, w- what he does with it, what, what arcs he decides to pick up on, which arcs he says, okay, now that I, I know that I'm making more movies past this, so let's ignore that, but let's bring this in as the arc for the series. You know, he's going to have all kinds of, you know, creative sort of leeway here to reshape this story. And, you know, he already sort of dropped a hint as to what one of those will be. You know, in the THR piece, uh, it it came up about Harry Lennox's character, General Swanwick, who we know was originally intended to be the Martian Manhunter. You know, that was going to be something he had some fun with in Justice League, revealing that General Swanwick is actually Martian Manhunter in disguise, Well, in his conversation with THR, he said that Swanwick has an arc that will eventually see him becoming secretary of defense. What happens when an alien is one of the highest levels of office in the U.S. government? You know, that and other questions will have to wait until Zack Snyder's Justice League finally arrives in 2021. But to me, what I like about that plot line is it shows you that he's already thinking, you know, he's thinking intelligently. Because you're probably not going to be able to get everybody back. Like, for for starters, I would be shocked if they get Ben Affleck to squeeze his ass back into a Batman suit to do more of this. I mean, if it happens, that would be amazing. But I would not count on it. And this little tidbit here about Martian Manhunter tells me that Snyder, you know, in these last few months that he's had a chance to look at his material and figure out what can be built out and what can't be. It looks like, you know, he probably realized I can I can get Harry Lennox to come in and shoot a bunch of interesting stuff about being Martian Manhunter in disguise within the government. Whereas I probably can't get Ben Affleck to come in here and do some more of uh, his Batman stuff, you know? So he has to be strategic on which characters he brings back to do additional plotting, to turn this into a TV event. And I'm just curious what other kinds of, you know, ingenuity is he going to show with the characters and the footage that he's already shot to try and turn this into something else, you know? and, And like, what kind of something else should it be? You know, like I said earlier, it could be a four hour movie. It could be a, a mini series event. I honestly think what they're hoping for, and really what has probably been agreed to at this point, but they're just saving it because they want to do it little by little. I think it has to be the TV series event, right? Because if you think about it, what is the point? Of all of this, you know, the, the, the millions that they're going to invest in it, what's the point of all these years of hype, all this stuff, if it only amounts to like just one single piece of media, you know, we want you to watch this film for four hours. And then if you feel like watching it again, some other time, go for it. But it's really, we're offering you one singular event. All right. So they could do that or they could milk this baby. If they were to make this a six part story, that's a month and a half of premium content for their streamer. And that is why this project is happening, folks. I know the narrative, I know the public relations is, you know, they're they're gonna focus strictly and wisely so. They're gonna focus strictly on the fact that this is for the fans, we're giving the fans what they want. We love the fans, 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 fans. And that's, that's, that's a brilliant way to present this information and to sell this because it's going to look like, see, we heard you, we love you, we're doing the right thing. Thanks for asking for it. Here's your gift. Here's your reward for asking for this thing. But really, what's at the heart of all this is content. And right now, something that, you know, a lot of folks perhaps aren't realizing is that because of the pandemic, because of what's going on with COVID-19 and all the quarantine and the entertainment business has been shut down, what this means is that 2021 is going to be really light on blockbuster entertainment because big-time, big-budget blockbuster spectacle takes a long time to create, so while in 2021 you're probably going to see a lot of great unscripted programming, lots of great sitcoms and little TV dramas that can be turned over in two weeks, what you're not going to see is a lot of big, huge, blockbuster spectacle laden entertainment, because that stuff takes a long time. And in order for it to be ready for early 2021, it would have to be filming and in production right now. So this whole thing, it's fascinating to see how the pandemic and the quarantine and everything being shut down and Hollywood going dark has actually helped the stars to align to create the Snyder Cut. Because at the end of the day, HBO Max realizes, hey, we need, you know, no one's going to have access to big blockbuster materials next year. So we've got enough footage for a four hour movie sitting on this dude's hard drive and thousands of fans around the world begging for it. So let's get him to take those four hours and turn it into something that we can build our, you know, our, our, our TV slate around on HBO max on our streamer. So that's what I think is going to happen. And I think they're going to release it episodically. It's not going to be the kind of thing where here's all six episodes, watch them all in a row, you know, HBO max, you know, I, I don't know what the, you know, we're going to find out soon how they're going to go about releasing their series. Are they going to follow the Netflix model of just here's everything and binge watch it? Or are they more likely to look at the DC Universe app, which, listen, that's that's one of their products. And in the DC Universe app, they release things weekly. You know, the DC Universe, the the, um, Titans was like that. Doom Patrol was like that. You know, they release on a weekly schedule, and I have a feeling HBO Max will be the same. So in my mind, it makes the most sense for for Zack Snyder's Justice League to be a six-part miniseries event as opposed to one four-hour director's cut of a movie. If I had to guess, they might do a thing where... You know, the they will offer a home release where you can watch it as one movie. You'll have the option, right? But you also have the option to watch it as the episodes, kind of almost like what happened with Quentin Tarantino's The Hateful Eight, where he released it as one like three hour movie, but then for Netflix, he turned it into a TV series and he made it into chapters. So I have a feeling that maybe if they're smart, the Snyder cut will be able to be enjoyed in either way. But at first, I think it's definitely gonna be a miniseries. Just as I also think we're definitely gonna see more of Henry Cavill as Superman. So let's talk about that now, okay? So I've talked about the Snyder Cut being released and all that goodness, but I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the Superman angle in all of this because that to me is obviously the most exciting part. I'm a little biased. As I sit here in my garage with my Superman t-shirt on uh, and next to my Superman the movie poster, uh, that would be, uh, you know, it's, it's very top of mind, shall I say. So let's talk about the Superman angle in all of this, because it is pretty fascinating. So first, I feel like in order to kind of give you where I'm thinking with all the Superman stuff... Let's kind of lay out the timeline that THR gave us for the Snyder Cut being released. According to them, and mind you, some of this could be spin, maybe all of it could be spin. Remember, THR, you know, is not only Warner Brothers' mouthpiece, but they also like, they are complicit in in putting out narratives. Remember, this is the same place that revealed that Zack Snyder had been taken off of Justice League and that Joss Whedon was coming in and they gave us the whole fluff that Whedon was just coming in to just do like two quick weeks of pickups to just seal off Zack's vision. Remember, that was what THR and the people that they spoke to from Warner Brothers tried to sell us you know, what is that now? Three years ago? Four years ago? Whenever that was. No, three years ago. So, you know, you got to take some of this with a grain of salt. But I still think there's something to this timeline. So according to THR, it all began on November 18th. So that's what? I don't know, six months ago, seven months ago or so. If you'll recall... On the two-year anniversary of the release of Justice League, on the theatrical release of Justice League, the release the Snyder Cut campaign had arguably its biggest day ever. That was the day where everyone who was anyone who was encouraged to tweet the hashtag to make it a worldwide trend. And they had all kinds of huge celebrity backers. It was the first time that Ben Affleck and Gal Gadot got in on the action that weekend. Zack Snyder, like formally and officially became a part of the movement as opposed to just like, you know, dropping hints and little teases and this and that, that's when he really kind of came out and said, you know, let's do this. And apparently the next day after all of that noise was created and released, the Snyder Cut was like the number one hashtag on social media. Um... Snyder got a call from Toby Emmerich and the brass at Warner Brothers who said, finally, okay, let's sit down. Let's talk about this. And that's what began this process. And they kind of gave him the thumbs up to like, "Okay, why don't you look through what you've got and let us know what you can create out of that and, you know, what it would cost and what you have in mind for this footage that you've got. Because clearly there is an appetite for it. So then Zach took the rest of November, the rest of December, he took January, and then at some point in February, he reconvened with the brass at Warner Brothers, You know, laid out his pitch for what he can do with the footage that he has, and kind of the story that he can tell, and then they said, okay... You know, we're going to, they, they, they went back to their bean counters and they decided, here's the money we can offer you. And then that all led to yesterday's big announcement. That is the supposed sort of time frame. So this all came together in the last like six months. And, and Deborah Snyder even points out that really this couldn't have happened prior to now. She told THR, with the new platform and streaming services, you can have something like this. You can't release something like this theatrically, but you could with a streaming service. It's an opportunity that wasn't there two years ago, to be honest. So with all of this seemingly happening in the last few months, here's what I think happened behind the scenes with our boy Superman. Because remember, Danny Garcia had been trying, and Henry had been trying to put some distance between themselves and Snyder's films and Snyder's vision. They've been trying to do that since 2017. There's all kinds of evidence that I've pointed out in the past that show that Henry Cavill was really kind of ready for a fresh take and a fresh restart. You know, He saw what was going on with the creative freedom given to Wonder Woman and given to Aquaman, and he also wanted a fresh coat of paint for Superman. And I'm sure Danny Garcia, when she took those first meetings with Warner Brothers, she heard that, you know, she, she could tell, wow, these people are totally over Zack Snyder. They're changing all of his plans. They're bringing in new directors and writers. So right now, the, the smart play is to put as much distance between ourselves and Snyder's films as possible. And that didn't end up working out. And in the THR piece... They note that after Snyder was given the thumbs up from Warner Brothers and HBO Max and AT&T to go do this, he spent time reconnecting with all of his cast and crew and going over what the plans would be. I'm pretty sure that when he reached out to Henry, Henry and his manager realized, okay, now it's okay to reassociate ourselves with Zack Snyder's vision because that's going to be how we get to be Superman again. You know, that's going to be what helps cement Cavill's legacy as this generation's Superman and hopefully gives way to other appearances for him. Now, whether it be for continued appearances on HBO Max, or whether it be on the big screen where Jason Momoa and Ezra Miller and Gal Gadot will still continue to live, you know, we're going to have to wait and see. But when Snyder is saying stuff like stay tuned about that empty pod on the Kryptonian scout ship, that tells me that there are some plans. There, there have been things discussed And again, when you factor in the rumor that, you know, from heroic Hollywood from two weeks ago, that Supergirl has been put on the back burner and the focus is now on Superman, it's pretty easy to kind of start reading the tea leaves and starting to get actually excited that there could be some legitimate plans for Superman in the not-so-distant future. So for the first time in how many freaking years... I'm starting to feel like this could actually happen, and who would have ever thought that the entity that I would have to thank for this is the Release the Snyder Cut campaign. And honestly, since celebrating milestones and anniversaries seems to be something that adds some, you know, uh, jet fuel to all of this, wouldn't it be great If next month, on June 14th, for the 7th anniversary of the release of Man of Steel, they timed it so that that's when we finally get the announcement of a Man of Steel 2. Now that would be something. Though, I don't think anyone should be getting their hopes up about Zack Snyder returning as the director for Man of Steel 2. I still firmly believe that that ship has sailed, I think right now what they're giving him access to is this Justice League thing. This is going to be his opportunity to go out with a bang and 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 right some wrongs. But I don't think this means now that he's fully in charge of everything with DC again and, and that we have to assume that anything coming from the Snyder Cut or anything that's going to build on his previous films is going to be directly overseen by him. I don't think that is anything we should be expecting. But I do think that perhaps there have been some creative conversations that whoever the next filmmaker is who is going to be in charge of a Man of Steel sequel whoever that is, whatever pitch that they've discussed must include building on that empty pod in the Kryptonian scout ship or that, you know, there've been some preliminary discussions as to where they're going to go. And Snyder will, will of course, get a producer's credit and maybe even like a story credit for, for the seeds that he planted in Man of Steel. But I just think that The relationship Snyder will have to Man of Steel 2 will be very much the relationship he had to Wonder Woman. You know, he was able to plant the seeds and Patty Jenkins took what he did and was able to have enough creative freedom to go and kind of make it her own. But it's still obviously built firmly in the you know, from the Snyderverse. I think the same thing will happen. Man of Steel two will build on Man of Steel, but it's not going to be written or directed by Snyder. That is still, you know, that is my hunch with all this. That if we see a Man of Steel two, which I really do think is a real possibility now, um, it'll it'll it, it's relationship to the first Man of Steel will be akin to Wonder Woman's relationship to BVS or Aquaman's relationship to the Theatrical Justice League. You know, it's that it keeps the DNA, but it evolves the DNA. You know, so that that's kind of what I'm anticipating here. But, you know, <laughs> who can, no one could have anticipated or foretold half of the things that have gone on with this project and with this entire franchise over the last four or five years. So I guess at this point, nothing would surprise me. But I really would be happy with that. Because honestly, you know, with Man of Steel, if someone could keep Hans Zimmer's score, hell, bring him back for the sequel, but, you know, keep Hans Zimmer's score, keep Zack Snyder's amazing casting, keep all of the wonderful iconography that he and world building stuff that he had put in there build on his his take on krypton and kryptonian technology and and history you know if someone could take all of the stuff that went into man of steel but just inject some more heart and thoughtfulness into the action set pieces then i think you could potentially have a absolutely flawless superman movie so if the sequel really does kind of go in that direction, it's exciting to even be talking about the sequel, but you know, listen, right now we, I have my, my, my conspiracy theory hat on and my conspiracy theory hat tells me that we're getting a Man of Steel too. Okay. So if we get a Man of Steel two, that can take all of the positives that Zach put into Man of Steel of which there were many but injects it with the stuff that I found to be very lacking, then it's very possible that my favorite Superman movie ever is actually ahead of me instead of behind me for the first time in uh, possibly ever. So I'm very excited about that. Um, I'm also just excited to see what the heck is going to go on with, with, uh, with Batfleck. I mean, seriously... This guy made the decision to leave the role in January of 2017, and yet now we know that we're going to see some fresh Batfleck action in 2021. I mean, that's got to be insane for, for Ben Affleck to realize now. They're like, oh my God, I left this role so long ago. And I checked out of this franchise so long ago, and now a bunch of stuff that I filmed in 2016 is going to be repackaged and released for the first time in 2021. So there are going to be people who are seeing Ben Affleck as Batman on HBO in prime time and, you know, getting connected and and falling in love with that iteration of the character or getting invested with that iteration of the character again. And yet, later on in that year, we're going to be given the reboot from Matt Reeves. It's going to be—it's just <laughs> circling back to what I said about a half hour ago. You know, 2021 is going to be really weird. And I know there are people getting their hopes up that this means that Batfleck will return. Heck, it even seems to, you know, uh, bring into light the possibility of two Batman, my old theory, about how, you know, what if— There is the Robert Pattinson Batman, but there's also a DCEU Batman that exists in some form. Remember? Because I pointed out that there's still a lot of DCEU follow-ups coming. You know, at the time, Birds of Prey was coming out. We've still got the Suicide Squad coming out. We've got Wonder Woman 1984 coming out. We're going to have more Aquaman. We're going to have a Flashpoint movie. There are all of these links to the DCEU still happening, including stories that happen in or around Batman's mythology within Gotham, like the Suicide Squad. And yet right now the DCEU does not have a Batman because the Robert Pattinson Batman is a separate, completely standalone entity similar to Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. Sorry about that sound. That. I'm just going to tell you what it is. I currently have this device attached to my back, zapping electric energy into my back muscles because I have had a back injury that's had me uh, out for like, I don't know, six days now. It's something I've been dealing with for the last 10 years. I think it's just from years of schlepping uh, heavy DJ equipment. I've put so much strain on my back that every once in a while, the slightest thing, you know, a sneeze, a poorly timed turn of the head, <laughs> picking up my my one of my kids and putting them in a, in a high chair when they were younger. It, it, sometimes it's literally just a violent sneeze. You know, I, I never know when it's going to happen, but every once in a while, my back goes out. And uh, right now, I'm in the middle of one of those lovely episodes. So that little crashing sound you just heard that I could have edited out, but I decided just to include here, is this machine that I have attached to my belt— that is uh, sending electric waves to these two little pads that I've stuck to my skin and my lower spine, and it's zapping my back muscles with, like, electric pulses to try to help me with the pain. So, okay, back to what we were talking about. So the DCEU is without a Batman for now. So now what happens with Affleck being reintroduced as Batfleck for this Zack Snyder's Justice League event. Does this open the door for Affleck to make some other, like, cameo appearances and things, like, you know, connective tissue things for the Suicide Squad and and perhaps anything else that might come of the Snyder Cut's release, or perhaps... Ezra Miller's Flashpoint movie or future Aquaman sequels or future Wonder Woman sequels, since they have established like a dynamic between Diana and Bruce in the present day. Like I don't know. A part of me thinks that that ship has 100% sailed. I think if they get Ben to do anything, it'll be some ADR where he'll come in and re-record some dialogue and they'll have a a body double in there in the Batsuit to try to deliver a lot of that. But, you know, I if if this somehow leads to Batfleck returning in some capacity, I consider that a big win too because to me one of the greatest missed opportunities here was Ben Affleck's Batman. So per- perhaps you know, what I mean by missed opportunities was, you know, we, we there was always this sort of implication that there's more to his story. At some point, we're gonna get to know this Batman. You know, we we got to know him a little bit in BVS and certain, you know, hints were dropped in Justice League and this and that, but the, we never got to have that one full-on experience of here is a Batman movie. with with Ben Affleck as the protagonist playing this iteration of the character from start to finish where he's the sole focal point. We never got that. And, you know, I don't know that we ever will or if that's even really a possibility at this point. I really don't think so. But just to have some more time with that iteration of the character and to perhaps, you know, give him a a more fitting send-off than what we got in the theatrical cut I think that would be a great win for fans as well. So let's see what happens. Let's see if the uh, the two Batman thing ends up happening and if they actually end up getting Ben to do some of it. Because really, you know, while I don't think they, they could do a solo movie with him, they could probably convince him to play, you know, a smaller role in some other DC films. But again, I don't know. I, I, I'm just getting a little carried away here. I don't wanna, I don't want to give any false hope, because I really think it's very unlikely. But it is kind of crazy to think that in 2021 we're gonna get never before seen Batflex sequences. And I wonder what that's gonna do to the appetite of DC fans and Batman fans who are like, man, I really wanna see more of that guy. And honestly, if that were to happen, you've got to think that there are going to be people kicking themselves over the decision to reboot Batman. And I know that this is kind of, we're going to get out into the weeds a little bit here. But let's just, let's just analyze this for a second. Because remember, it's always been a little odd that practically every other DCEU character introduced from Man of Steel to BVS to Justice League and Suicide Squad, practically all of them are coming back except for Batman. You know, we're seeing everyone get a chance at making more sequels here except for Batman. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that Matt Reeves said he wanted to do his own story and he pitched it at a time when Warner Brothers did not want to proceed with Zack Snyder's vision. And the ownership at that time heard Matt Reeves pitch and said, you know what this makes sense. You know the the current iteration of Batman, these DC movies are not connecting the way we want here and Ben Affleck doesn't even seem to want to do it anymore. So you know what? if Matt Reeves really wants to do his own thing, then let's let him go and Christopher Nolan this thing. Let's let him go and reboot it and start from scratch and tell his own Batman story his way. It makes the most sense because the Batflake era is over and nobody cares. Yeah, that's that's what they thought three years ago. (laughs) And now here we are with the announcement of the Snyder Cut and all of this rabid fan base around getting this released. And now this fresh buzz around the new around what's coming out in 2021, that now it's going to be really strange to be like, wait a minute. So we had a viable Batman here that could have been saved in the right context. And yet, we moved on in a new direction, and about a month into the filming of our new Batman movie, a pandemic put it on an indefinite hiatus. And when we return from that hiatus, we're already going to be beginning production in some way, shape, or form on a version of Batman that predates the reboot. It's just like this is such a outlandish scenario. If you're if you're Warner Brothers and DC Entertainment trying to make sense of the decisions that have been made in the last 4 years, this is some pretty uh tricky stuff to say the least. And don't even get me started on what'll happen if the Snyder cut is extremely well received in early 21 and then on October 1st, when the Batman comes out, it goes over like a fart in church because then the executives who signed off on all of these decisions and signed off on the overhaul of Justice League in 2017, know, everyone who allowed the current situation to arise, they're going to become the biggest laughingstocks in the industry for how badly they botched and miss diagnosed the problem here it'll be like finding out after you've had your leg amputated that all you really had was a sprained ankle And if you would have just, you know, iced it and elevated it and maybe worn some special shoes for a little while, you could have kept your leg. You know, that's what it's going to feel like if the Snyder Cut creates all of this business and positive buzz for HBO Max and suddenly everyone's interested in these characters again, while the big screen efforts continue to be totally hit or miss right? Because things have been totally hit or miss for Warner Brothers from a business sense ever since they went this route, right? Because what happened, let's just go film by film since Justice League. Justice League came out, underperformed from what it should have done, and, you know, people kind of thought, all right, that's the end of that era. What is this new era going to look like? Well, the new era was pretty much a direct sequel. You know, it was Aquaman, And that movie made a billion bucks and was a huge runaway success for Warner Brothers and DC Entertainment, even though it's built on someone who was introduced in the polarizing BVS, who was featured prominently in the underperforming Justice League. But yet Aquaman still made a billion bucks and launched a whole new, very exciting superhero franchise for DC. And then what happened after that, though? After that was Shazam, a film that was well liked but underseen. You know, it, it turned a, a, a you know a nice little profit, but it was not at all this great huge follow-up to Aquaman. It it made like less than half what Aquaman made. And you know, it showed that audiences aren't necessarily a hundred percent bought into DC again, that they may have supported Aquaman because it looked like a great time, but just You know, putting DC on the title is not going to be strong enough to get people to the theaters, you know. And Shazam had other things working against it, like coming out during a very crowded time of year around some other very big films. But, you know, Shazam, for all intents and purposes, was a very sort of soft success. Then what happened later on? Joaquin Phoenix Joker comes out and that one makes over a billion bucks and brings all of this prestige and all of this buzzy chatter and Oscar chatter. And it's suddenly like it's this big like zeitgeist event Joker is. So we have Aquaman making a billion. We have Shazam kind of on, you know, being a cute little. All right. You did all right. Then we have the Joker being huge. Then we have Birds of Prey. <sighs> There's no other way to say it. Like it got great reviews. You know, people liked it, but the box office was at best super tepid. So if you're someone at Warner Brothers DC, if you're someone at AT and T, the new owners, and you're trying to make heads or tails as to whether or not your current strategy is working, it's very hard to figure out if you're on the right track or not because audiences are very hot and cold with these DC movies. You know, for better or worse, it's not like Marvel yet. You know, in Marvel right now, you could slap their name on just about anything if it says Marvel Studios in the beginning it's going to do well. It's going to, you know, make some serious money. It's going to get some decent reviews. It's going to have a lot of goodwill towards it because the Marvel brand itself has become so strong. DC still trying to get there unfortunately. But it's crazy to think now if you as you look back on all this, was it avoidable? Was all of this hit or miss? Was all of this overhauling really necessary or Did they misdiagnose the problem? Because maybe the issue with Justice League and and Zack Snyder's DCEU wasn't Zack Snyder's vision or Zack Snyder's uh, deficiencies, shall we say, as a filmmaker, you know, however else it was looked at at the time. Maybe that's not it. Maybe it had everything to do with how rushed everything was, how like under cooked the scripts were and how little time they had to take in the information that the audience was telling them about their movies so that they could, you know, adjust things as they go and let the franchise sort of evolve using the audience's feedback. You know, I've talked about this a lot over the years, but that whole first wave of DC films after Man of Steel came out. They were all scheduled in such a way that they were all right on top of each other. And just as one is coming out, another one is now in post-production. And another one is now in pre-production. So what happens if, you know, BVS doesn't do well? Now all of the things that are coming from BVS have to be rethought and retooled. And that's exactly what happened. But again, that's not because the creative forces behind these films sucked. It's because the planning sucked. Whoever put together the production slate to get all these movies out at such an accelerated pace, that is the person to blame for all this. So again, if we're talking about misdiagnosing the problem, Maybe instead of like doing all of that shady stuff and put and and rewriting justice league on the fly, instead of delaying it and all of the insane things where Joss Whedon is filming sequences for justice league in September of 2017 for a film that came, that would come out two months later, maybe instead of doing that complete insanity, Someone along the way should have just said, you know what, let's delay some of these productions. We need to take some time to look over these scripts and, and listen to what the feedback is from the fans and from the critics and see what we can do to make this better. Instead of just throwing out the baby with the bathwater, because now the baby's back, it's going to do all kinds of good things for HBO Max, and it's going to make your film division look completely different clueless. But it's okay, because then they can make it all up to us by announcing Man of Steel 2 with Black Adam as the villain. Hey, a guy can dream. <laughs> Folks, until next time, life is chaos. Be kind. Adios.